0: I would like to begin today's show by offering a heartfelt fuck you to everyone who has said to me, age is just a number. Age is not just a number. If age were just a number, no one would lie about it. If it were just a number, women's magazines wouldn't have annual issues dedicated to displaying shock and awe over the idea that women can be beautiful at any age. What? She's 30 and I'm not puking at the side of her? Editor, there must be some mistake. Age is how much time we have left on this earth. Age is how much we've accomplished with the time we've already spent here. Age is how many pills we have to take in the morning to feel sort of normal. Age is how old our parents are in relation and how much time we have left with them. And if you've ever had a conversation with your grandparents, age is how many of your friends died this week. I'm fine that I'm 42. I'm mostly okay with what I've done so far, though I'm not okay with how much time I have left here with my family and friends. So when you tell me that age is just a number, what you're really telling me is you will not be invited to my funeral. Your loss, there will be barbecue. This is Stupid Human Suits.
1: Hey, welcome, to human welcome, 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 welcome,
0: welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm Sean Crespo. I'm Carol Hartzell. I guess
1: this week is not only one of our favorite human beings, but also one of our favorite actors. You've seen him most recently as Arthur in Difficult People. He's the voice of Dr. Venture in the Venture Brothers. He's in the upcoming Todd Haynes film Wonderstruck. He starred off Broadway in Tom Paine based on nothing, and he's been in too many other TV shows and movies to list. Everybody, Who is listening? Start clapping. Give it up for the wonderful James Urbaniak. Thank you. Hi, guys.
0: Hi. Hey, buddy. Thanks for being here. here. (laughs) You look very happy to be
2: here. I am. But oh. it's just my my rye default <laughs> and my voice, where I sound sarcastic. And
1: yeah. I know he's smiling, but he sounds I, totally hateful when level. I
2: mean something.
0: It's just
2: it's it's a it's a certain Jersey bourgeois accent.
0: Oh, very nice. I didn't Jersey know that bourgeois. Jersey had a bourgeois. Yeah, I think
1: it's a dialect.
0: Oh, okay. That is, that, <laughs> we have learned something new. Yeah,
1: that's what this show's all about. <laughs> that's part of a stupid human pseudo dialect.
0: No, uh, we were going to jump right in, but I think Sean, um, you have sort of a story slash question you wanted to to jump in with. Uh,
1: not at any particular point, but I guess I'll do that now. Yeah. Thanks for uh, just front loading <laughs> that on us. All right. Uh, just really quickly, uh, James. I think we've talked about this, but uh, it's a story that turns into a question. Uh, so when I was at Lambda, I couldn't go anywhere for the, uh, Christmas holidays, so I spent our Christmas break alone in, uh, this flat I was living in with two other guys, and one of them had a copy of, a VHS copy of Henry Fool, so Ah. I, yeah, I had nothing to do but sit around in our flat watching Henry Fool. I must have watched it, like, a dozen times. Wait,
2: have I heard this story before?
1: Well, you've heard the, so, like, I, I just kind of fell in love with the movie. I, I, like, I got to know you and all the other characters. So when I first moved to New York on my very first day, this is the part I've told you before, uh, I went to go see a movie in Kaufman Astoria, and as I'm walking out, who's walking right in? It, Thomas J. Ryan. I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm, you're um, in Henry full I would love to meet you. And he was super <laughs> nice. And then a few years later, I started going to Whiskey Fridays at The Onion, and I met you. I was like, That's oh, my right. God, you're James Arbaniac. <laughs> this is so cool. So now I need to meet Parker Posey to complete the set. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there a cast of a movie that you love uh, that you have completed the set of or are close to? Wait, repeat the question. (laughs) (laughs) See, I told you, you got to ease into this shit, Carol. Repeat the question. Uh, (laughs) Who is the cast of a movie that you love that you've completed the set of by meeting or working with or are close to?
2: Oh, very interesting. (laughs) Like a set of
1: two or three or four or five or one or two?
2: I know that I've met a couple actors from National Lampoon's Animal House. Uh, I met uh, Karen Allen. Uh, I met Peter Riegert briefly.
1: Who's Peter Regert?
2: Peter Riegert plays Boone.
1: Oh he's Boone! The Harold
2: Ramis role, the role that Harold Ramis wrote for himself and John Landis did not cast him in.
1: (laughs) That is a rough. Because he was like,
2: Harold Ramis has no future as a film actor. <laughs> yeah. With that voice? Come on. He'll never be in movies. <laughs> yeah. Peter Rieger. Now, there is a film actor. And Peter Rieger's great in the yeah. movie. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just like 40 more to go with uh, Yeah, there's a few more. There's a few. But because like, they're all they're aging now.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, have I met anyone else from that film? Uh, They've been. But, I, I, but it was notable to me when I met Karen Allen. I was like, oh, I'm, well, Karen Allen, Raiders. So yeah, many sure, great sure. But then when I met Peter Regert, it was like, ooh, number two from Animal yeah. House. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking in terms of a set.
1: So you do that too. That's like yeah. whenever I meet somebody, I'm like, Oh, I love that movie. If I can meet one more, <laughs> I'll feel like I'm on a roll. Yeah,
2: I just I just need to meet like Stephen first. <laughs> or, uh, Tom or, or, or Tom Hulse Tom or Tom Hulse or Yeah, yeah. Is Tom Hulse around still? Wait Yeah. Tom Hulse seems semi retired from acting. I don't hear a lot
1: about him, whatever. Uh, I know the
2: guy who plays Hoover is a TV director, and I've been kind of hoping that I'll get a gig that he directs so I can have uh, my third. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that uh, is a thing House that guy. happens.
1: Like a lot of those guys go into TV directing, and mm-hmm. you never hear about them unless you're an actor. Peter Boners
2: go. from, uh, or Bonners uh, from, uh, I don't know how you say it, uh, from <laughs> how uh, how it. Uh, The Bob Newhart Show. Oh, my uh, God. Jerry the Dentist is a big TV director now. That's a great gig.
0: Fred Savage is a TV director, right? Yeah. I
2: worked with Fred Savage, and he was an excellent guy. TV director.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Scott Bayo. <laughs> Scott
2: Bayo <laughs>
1: was directing TV for a long time. Oh, dear. Really? Yeah. I'll no. Direct him right out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> He's a nasty man. <laughs> oh, you're a joy. Um.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'll jump into something then. Um, so if my intro wasn't indication enough, uh, one of the things Sean and I sort of obsess over uh, right now is our age. I'm 42. Yes. He just turned 40. Hey. And we're both still sort of in that, uh, uh, what? How did I get here? What am I doing phase? Um, now, you have always struck me as a, a man who is sort of unencumbered by these concerns about age. You have a very sunny disposition. Um, is age just a number?
2: Well, this is a, Well, I'm 53. I was born two months before the Kennedy assassination. Ah. And I remember exactly where I was in the crib. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it occurred. Back down. I was biting a shoe. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I've always sort of... Here's the thing, and I'm sure you can understand, relate to this. I remember feeling like everything kicked in for me once I hit my 30s.
0: Mm.
2: Sort of kicked in. And and so I, I felt like as I got older, I was figuring more stuff out, and I was more uh, satisfied with uh, what I was doing, and uh, I've always kind of felt that way, mm-hmm. but I'm 53 now, and it's actually only fairly recently that I've thought, oh, shit, I'm 53, <laughs> wow, mm. <laughs> that means I'll be 60 in seven years, that goes by pretty quickly, <laughs>
1: Yeah, and James, you look like you look younger than
2: me. I'm blessed with uh, my parents were both skinny and I have brown hair and there's some there's a couple of gray hairs in there but they're not really prominent. prominent. Yeah. I catch them on the side <laughs> now, and in the eyebrows. I just want to wake up one day full John Slattery. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, never. Just, I don't want to go through a salt and pepper transition. <laughs> I just want Roger Sterling, boom,
1: Gr- yeah, totally gray. <laughs> totally gray. That would be nice. Silver so fox. Yeah, but we're, so
2: yeah, but I've been more aware of that. Uh, in the very recent past, sort of, mm-hmm. like there is a thing where you start to see photos of yourself. You're an actor, you see yourself on screen, and I'm like, I know I look young, but I see myself and go, oh, right. I look older. Mm-hmm. And that's normal, but I'm, I'm more aware of that. And uh, I, so I'm, I'm sort of more aware of, of, of my age lately, but I'm still a pretty glass half full. Mm-hmm. Uh, person.
0: <laughs> I've had that, uh, the like sort of recognizing yourself is looking older more so lately. Um, like, you know, it used to be, Oh, that's a photo of me with no makeup on, but I'm fine. I look cute. And and now I, I look at myself and I say, uh, I think I have a good side and a bad side, which is not a thing oh, I had before. Funny. We, <laughs> right. we had to go to, to an event last weekend and I hired someone to do makeup on me and to do my hair. And I actually instructed them. I said, if photos are going to be taken of me, I want them to shoot this side of my face, so do my hair on that side so that everything will be good on this one right. half of my body. Oh, I, that? Yeah. There's
2: a moment in Behind the Candelabra, the Liberace biopic mm-hmm. directed by Steven Soderbergh, I starring Michael it. Douglas. It's I good. Seen it. Have you seen it, Karen? I have not seen it. There's a moment. well, it's it sort of addresses these issues because Liberace is an aging star mm-hmm. and uh, it it ad- sort of addresses these by looking at a, a vain Hollywood, you know, <laughs> yeah. celebrity. Uh, and, of, of course, uh, he goes to a plastic surgeon. And, 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 and But there's a moment where he's watching himself on TV in his later years and I think it's supposed to be like the 70s or something, and he gasps, and someone's in the room with him, and he goes, oh, my God, I look like my father. I look like my father. (laughs) And that really hit me, because it's been in the last couple years that I've seen myself in photos, and I'll be like, holy shit, I look like my dad. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. My dad is a thin guy who still has his hair. He's in his 80s. But it's a thing. Uh, But it's a thing, and and, and it's a thing that I noticed that, you know i'll see i know a lot of guys or people i've known for many years who i knew they old friends from the 1980s who i was a 20 something with they start to fill out they start to get gray and they all look like their dads uh-huh. it's uncanny it's so terrifying
1: <laughs> well that's you know there's a, there's a question now that you're at that point where it's a thing do you look like, we, we don't have—I don't have a body of work at all comparable to you, but even in, like, you know, when we got—we'd get a deal and go—we'd have to make sketch videos for a year. And a year would pass, and then we'd make, like we'd get another deal and make more sketch videos. Uh, so, like, a lot of our shit's online, and the TV stuff I've done is in the, like, last 10 years anyways. Uh, but even just looking back at that, for me, I'm not quite— quite quite there when i look back just 10 years ago and see see something some small part i did on tv or commercial or a sketch i look at that guy and i think of i that's how i think of it that guy that's another guy do
2: you do that now a little bit a little bit like you mentioned henry fool yeah henry fool is sort of the i shot it when i was 33 and that's that's still my that's back when i was super crazy skinny Mm-hmm. Now I'm just a thin guy. <laughs> I'm kind of—I I was like very underweight, and it was like a, an issue for me when I was a teenager and uh, a young man, like super, super. like 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 five ten and like hundred and twenty pounds. Wow,
1: wow, just naturally so. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I kind of gained a. 20 pounds or so, and that became my sort of default weight, which is still light <laughs> yeah. for a guy who's 5'10", but it's like closer to normal. I remember having a friend in the 80s who, jokingly, but he just said to me, so do you have cancer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, but no. Uh, no. Uh,
2: but uh, I I look at that and go, yeah, there's, there's, there's me before I became slightly more normal. Ah. But I don't necessarily want to be that skinny again.
1: I mean, do you feel like... You know, when you then speaking of your friends though, from like you know in the twenties, where you were, was that the Richard Foreman era for you? Sort of. Richard Foreman was like uh, after I think
2: I had just turned like thirty or thirty one when I did the Foreman play, which for those who don't know is a famous yeah sort of avant garde writer director in New York who does mm-hmm. plays off Broadway. Um, thank you.
1: Because <laughs> that's a good point. I was I'm, like,
2: I'm. Footnoting. I'm you know, so I'm so used to annotating. just talking to you about yeah. like. This
0: I didn't know. Was. I was nodding meaningfully uh-huh. as though I did uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You've seen that
2: the poster. Play, oh yes, the Foreman play. That play <laughs> was in like '96, so I was like 32 or 33. Oh actually. really? That was actually right before I did Henry Fool. Yeah.
1: God, it's it's again. This goes back to did being you see that? It's, it's, the, the the Foreman play. Yeah. I saw uh, no uh, the fir- the thing I saw you in uh, was. Uh, uh, da, 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 Tom da, da. Payne. A uh, Tom Payne. I hadn't seen anything previously.
2: But here's the thing. I am. I, this is interesting you bring up this topic because I, I, I don't think I've had Liberace moments where I'm like freaking out and going to see grotesque plastic surgeons <laughs> or anything. But recently, very recently, I've just thought, oh, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. How you know, especially women, and especially in show business. Are like this is who I was though I have an identity that's associated with this appearance and I'm a performer and Mm -hmm. it's harder when you get older and let's just do a little tweaking here and sometimes you know we see people who get tweaked so much that it doesn't look it's a different person it doesn't it doesn't look human yeah and and it sort of and it kind of calls attention to the aging. In a different way, yeah. yes. Than yeah, just yeah. getting wrinkly and and stuff like that. It's
1: that who are you trying to convince, sort of level. But
2: recently, when I just sort of look in the mirror or you know see myself, uh, I feel more empathy. To those who mm. do that and mm. I can
1: understand it. Can you look at, do you, when you see like your friends from the Foreman era like that the the people you came up mm-hmm. with when you look back and see them in uh, TV or film or just even remember them in, or see them in photos from back then and th- see them now, do you look at them and think of them as like, oh those were different people because yes, now I know them as sort this. sort of.
2: And a part of you see here's part of what I experience is a sort of bemusement at mm. aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sort of bemusement, a sort of Oh, holy shit. I, 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 last year I was in New York and I had dinner with a bunch of old friends who were very dear friends from like the 90s when we were all, you know, like 20-something, yeah. early 30-something. Young and full of beans. And, and everyone was in good condition and healthy, <laughs> but we were a table of middle-aged people in their 50s. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, we're one of these tables. <laughs> oh, we're, we're We're the table of old... People and the women had, you know, gray hair, and the men were older, you know. And definitely
0: we, not running out on the check. We were anything. not a bunch of no. <laughs> we
2: were. And I, we, I was like, oh, we're a table of middle-aged people, and I, I had a moment of awareness of that where I was sort of removed from the event.
1: Yeah, and
2: being very aware of that, and thinking, oh yeah, when you were young and you'd see a bunch of older people, and I was like, that's us now. We're the older people.
1: That's a great way to put it. It's amusement. It's not horror. It's just like, oh, no. no, this is. It was not
2: like, well, fun. here's what we got here. Here we are,
0: oh. and, and yeah, yeah. I've, I've. <laughs>
1: These are the sort of stories like you want to ask people and hear about, but you never get to because yeah. what is the journey of an actor or an actress in this business who's actually been around for twenty mm-hmm. years? Now my thing
2: years. is, and this is coming from privileged. Uh, uh, male position, I'll admit, is that I've always been cast as a character actor, not like a leading man guy. Ah. So my joke for years when I was younger was, I just want to get fatter and bolder because I'll get
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> I had my charms, and I have, you know, Richard I went Richard Real never I'm, stops working. Richard Real, <laughs> when one of the most beloved uh, yep. uh, iconic characters from Office Space. Yep. Thank I call you. it Jump! To yeah.
1: conclusions, Come to conclusions, Matt. Well, that's. I
2: bet you Richard Real in Office Space is
1: my age. I bet he's yeah. like fifty-three. Yeah, I'd buy that. I mean, <laughs> and he had a he had a slew
0: of that movie those was like small, twenty years, years ago. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah. which is hard.
1: Another that's also hard to believe.
0: But that's what we've always said about you, Sean. Is that you would book more work if you either like got way fatter. Yeah. Or if you lost a bunch of weight, so you could kind of be yeah. more leading yeah. mannish. Oh,
2: here's another thing that happens that showbiz related. Mm. Uh, my, uh, my continuing awareness and amusement and mild horror that I'm older <laughs> than many iconic characters. I'm older than John Vernon was when he played Dean Wormer in Animal House. No, I'm older than. Ed Asner was when he wrapped the Mary Tyler Moore show.
1: Oh, my God. And that went for like seven seasons.
2: <laughs> what? He was in his 40s when yeah. he started, but he was chubby and, and balding, so he looked older. He just had that quality.
0: The uh, the little thread <laughs> I'm hanging on to <laughs> wow. is uh, Nora Ephron didn't direct her first film until <laughs> yeah. she was 50. And I'm like, I, I got yeah. eight years. To... <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, I have a friend. Uh, I won't uh, name him, because, but he 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 tends to be more glass half empty. And he did make a, direct a, a low budget movie a few years ago. But he, while he was building up to that, he kept saying, "Well, no one's ever directed and written a movie uh, 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 at my age." He's like my age, uh-huh. and I was just kind of like, "Why? Why is this a thing? Why is this a <laughs> thing? Why? Why set that up?" And I, I, and then I was like, "Well, Robert Altman didn't become Robert Altman until he was like at fifty. Mm. He was like he's like World War II generation. He was like born in the twenties. So like when Nashville came out, he was like my age." it really kicked in for him oh, later like there's okay. lots of stories like that where it kind of kicks in for somebody at a later age well
1: that's yeah. that, that's uh, i'm sorry to keep taking all no, the no questions no, no, please just go. this this i realize i am doing that <laughs> I, I acknowledge your presence and value thank you
0: i appreciate that uh, <laughs> and now i will be quiet <laughs>
1: We <laughs> There's a corner that we put Carol in for of Wait,
0: let me say one thing. Wait, what just happened?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, d- d- marriage dynamic.
0: Just the, speaking of the, that stepping outside of yourself Tending. for a minute and, and becoming aware of what you are to other people, every time we, and it's not rare, uh, bicker on the sidewalk... I suddenly step out of it and I'm like, oh, we're fucking middle aged, two old people right. arguing yeah. at each other on yeah. the sidewalk. And there's some young couple maybe across the street who's like, let's not be them when we get old.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we usually have our dogs too, so we're just like the problem. Like, well, I don't know why we can't just get the Mexican food. It's like, go pick it up. Why do we have to have d- delivered every time? I mean, that guy works hard. It's like, well, you know, we can go, but are you gonna go get it? It's like that's a th- that level of petty. <laughs> It's very sad. Uh, oh, uh, by the way,
2: I remember many years ago, I was somewhere, it might have been New York, a woman was calling, a middle-aged lady was calling to her middle-aged husband, his name was Larry, and she went, lair, lair. <laughs> that couple forgot it an hour later. I've never forgotten. This was like 25 years ago.
1: So you had a moment. Yeah. lair moment. Larry,
2: Larry. Can you even hear me?
1: <laughs> oh, this is sad. But okay, it's not even sad, it's just life. I'm good with it. Well, off the off what we were talking about like uh, the the distinction people make in their minds cuz I I've definitely done it. I I lived I just maybe got something that will change my life that I can't mention yet. Uh but I'm 40 and I've been working towards this for 20 years and I got a text about it yesterday and I just I just started crying because a, a weight came off my shoulders uh, because and it's all about approval. It's all about feelings of self-worth. And I, so much of my feeling of self-worth is tied to external things that are out of my control. But mm-hmm. the thinking is if you work hard, you have some talent, and you never give up, eventually it should work out. Which is a totally uh, – also, by the way, I'll say that is a very privileged mm-hmm. point of view. But that is just the way I've been hardwired. So I sort of get hey, that. Me too. Yeah. So, do you have you quote made it in your mind, or is that a lunatic or unhelpful distinction only forced upon the world by super fans and people determined to be miserable like me?
2: Well, that's a good question because that's something I've thought about a lot in recent, like very recent years, mm. uh, where also you know being on the other side of fifty now, and I'm like, wow, have I done enough? And then I I see people I know who are yeah whatever more famous or making more money and stuff people i knew back in the day and i've always been extremely supportive and not jealous uh, but i find little twinges of jealousy <laughs> 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 when like someone i knew back in the day is now poof kind of super famous and mm-hmm. stuff yeah. you know Little twinches of that. That but, never but,
0: happens to us, ever. Okay,
2: good. <laughs> uh, but then again, I i also, I got to admit, I sat here and you were reading my credits, and I'm like, oh, I've done stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I've done stuff, and I'm on a show now, and things are pretty good. And
1: We see you, and we think like, man, that's the bar to that we want yeah. to get to. And I know
2: personally, here's the thing. I was, you know, I was just talking about how excited I was to meet Peter Riegert. <laughs> yeah. God bless Peter Rieger, but he's just been like a working character man yeah. for years and had some high profile gigs, certainly. Uh, but people love sort of working actors, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
2: yeah. character actors. People really relate and adore to them. And I, I have had an experience of people meeting me and, and, and you get a real sense of, oh, they really appreciate what I've done and, you know.
1: I mean, if, you, if we have never told you this, like every time we've ever mentioned that we know you, most people go, oh, for real? They're really excited, <laughs> Yeah, James. so I'm, I'm pretty happy with like what I've done, and
2: I've worked with lots of great people. And on the other hand, there's a lot more that I want to accomplish. So, uh, so my glass half full uh, default is to look at, well, now that I'm on the other side of 50, now this is the next chapter. Mm. And there's more, you know, yeah. this is the second half of the book. Uh, uh, so yeah. there's plenty more to do now, and 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 I tend to fall into that default rather than the I haven't done enough.
0: Right, that's good. What um that's good. just because I'm curious um what would you like to do next? I mean, is it just more acting, or do you have that director bug? What?
2: Yeah. Well, I got to say, to answer in the immediate. You know, I've done these podcasts mm-hmm. that are scripted shows
0: that are uh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, getting you. on with getting on, right? Getting on oh, with James Burbannyak, which you should was conceived
2: before the TV series called "Getting <laughs> On." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I did one for that's on Feral Audio, which they're basically like short plays. Mm-hmm. And then I did one last year that uh, uh, called a night called Tomorrow, which is on Hal, uh, which is Earwolf's uh, paid uh, site. And that was a that was a ten episode uh, chronological. Story. That had an arc. That right. had an arc. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're getting on. They're all single mm-hmm. one offs. And I want to get back into that. And my writing partner Bree Williams and I are writing a new one, uh, which will be like I think it'll be one episode, but it'll be like at least an hour long, mm-hmm. like a sort of feature length uh, scripted story. And I'm very excited about that actually. Mm-hmm. And so it, Is that for Earwolf for Feral I'm, or just you? Ear- I think it's probably going to be for Feral, uh, but we're figuring that out exactly. But I'm definitely going to work with the them again, and I'm really excited and engaged by that. There's a little Renaissance of like radio drama mm-hmm. happening, so that's in the immediate future. I just want to make more of those, mm-hmm. but then in terms of other stuff, we do this because we're we want to work in the arts and do stuff, and the thing is. I don't really care about being famous or or it's nice to have extra money, but that's not what drives us into this business. But Mm -hmm. the thing is you just kind of want more control. Yes. Yes. You want more control. So that's what I would like is a little more control, whatever that means in terms of Mm. picking roles, having a little more of an array to choose from. I'd say half my jobs now come from offers Mm -hmm. and half of them come from auditions. Uh, But it'd be kind of nice to get
1: more – Offers and have more. I just find it ridiculous to that you're from. still auditioning because if Constantly. you don't know what James Urbaniak is all about and capable <laughs> of, true. what are you asking I him in the room that for? Many
2: times, I, it's, it's and ludicrous. Then, and then also just creating these little audio dramas. I really enjoy assembling them and writing them and casting them, mm-hmm. and I want to keep doing that. I want to do more of the podcast, and mm. you know, I imagine I, Bree and I, who write together, have talked about well, it'd be nice to do a short film or. Maybe sometime have a TV show that we could. Mm-hmm. Would you write conceive? a pilot with? It? Would you guys Yeah, win? absolutely. So, that, but that's that's uh, that's the sort of idea. But right now, I just want to do the the next project, mm-hmm. which is like this uh, scripted show. But yeah, so but, but that that's the basic answer, though. Just having yeah. more more control and more options, more well, opportunities. Yeah. To do interesting
1: stuff without having to mm-hmm. go through all the unnecessary the hoops yeah. that should be unnecessary. Yeah,
2: yeah, a few less hoops. There's always hoops, yeah. but you know. Well, what would you be
1: willing it. to trade off? Would you be would you be a showrunner slash executive producer and be beholden to that sort of schedule well, if you got to star and
2: create? Trade off is an interesting question because I've seen people who have had the opportunity to say direct films. But the producers are very hands-on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't exactly dovetail with the yeah. ideas of the director, and I'm—that would be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Too much putting on I, I yeah. don't. I don't know. Yeah. To, guess, but yeah, to be in a situation where you're you you have people helping you make the thing, but everyone's basically on the same page about what you're making. Right. Uh, well, I've, you know, that's the ultimate.
1: Yeah. That's a great base, honest level. Like, that's probably what, like, when somebody asks you when you're young, what's your goal in this business? You know, when you you don't really have a goal, you just want to work. I don't yeah. know. Even now, I don't really have a goal. I just want to work. I just want to be offered parts. I want to audition for parts. I want, I want to write my own parts. But <laughs> now I have some sense of where I want to go with it, which would be at some point I would like to have my own thing. It's interesting. I never thought about
2: it this way, but when I started out, I had my own company off off Broadway, in, like, starting in the late 80s, and I was working with them exclusively for, like, six years. That's when I first moved to New York, and we were doing everything ourselves. Mm. We were raising the money. Oh, God. We were building the sets. I designed the posters. <laughs> uh, my friend directed all the plays, and I acted in them all. We made all our own choices, and we had complete control. And we weren't making any money. <laughs> so yeah. we were all working day jobs, and... uh And that that was a very happy time of my life Mm. and extremely satisfying. And then one thing led to another. And, you know, some of us in the company started to get opportunities to get paid to do this slowly, but (laughs) surely. And now I'm, you know, a working actor. And that's what I've sacrificed is I'm making a living now. I've been making a living doing this for like 20 years. But there's less control, and mm-hmm. there's often less satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It's a job. Uh, and when sometimes. I ha- was working, uh, temping in offices during the day and just doing stuff with my theater company at night, I was so focused on that, and I was very happy doing that. And I'm mm-hmm. happy now, but...
1: That was a pure just for, it just was pure. for the work. pure, yeah. yeah. I know yeah. that sounds that sounds infantile to say it was pure, <laughs> it but there really that really is a thing when you're younger and working and you you have to just do but it. That's all I
2: cared about back then too is just working with that company and doing mm-hmm. those plays. I wasn't trying to get an agent. I wasn't trying to make a living doing this.
0: Um, well, speaking of control and dovetailing into things that we have less control over. Um, so you know we've been talking about aging a little bit and one of the segments we like to do on the show is how our bodies are failing us this week
1: oh yeah <laughs> and
0: yes. uh so uh if you want to join in with that i think that would be lovely <laughs> um I, but i will Gotta start so uh, again going back to this uh, event where uh, we had to dress up and look nice i did something that i don't normally do which is wear heels and i so i've probably tromped around in heels for a few few hours not that mm-hmm. long and my body reacted as if I had run a marathon I'm still recuperating yes from having worn heels for oh, a few hours yeah. like like I feel like the cartilage in my knees is gone my feet hurt I wake up in the middle of the night with my feet like Feeling like they're you know jamming into weird mm-hmm. positions and stuff, and that just doesn't seem like a uh, something a human body should do. <laughs> but,
1: and it does, though. Yeah, do it you have one? Is. I do. Uh, you know, I've had tendonitis for two years and t- some change. It never apparently it never really goes away. The doctors don't tell you that right away because they want you to have some sort of hope <laughs> that you'll recuperate. Uh, but there's all this. You know, it means everything's really tight. So I stretch for like 45 minutes a day, off and on. Uh, and, but there are ancillary problems with it. Like now my back and my obliques get tight because it's all, it's all tied together. And so now I have to do these, uh, a round of back exercises every day. Uh, but like one of them is where I have to put, uh, put my elbow and forearm down and I'm on my side with my feet. Uh, like I'm basically forming a triangle with my body and I've got to lower my hip to the ground, raise it back up, lower my hip to the ground, but I do these at home and we have two dogs, and every time I'm doing something, an exercise, they think it's game time. And so the one dog will literally like come underneath my armpit and make it impossible for me to go down. The other one jumps on top of me. So it's this really sweet, thing but it's also a reminder like i also like i have to do this dogs i have to get better but then they just they start licking me and i half the time i forget i just lose i just start playing with the dogs so it's probably my own fault that this is not getting better but it's really adorable that's that's mine
0: uh james do you have a, an example of this
2: well i could do an immediate one and then a sort of general one mm-hmm. So I, there's a Louis C.K. bit where he talks about going to the doctor yeah. and you're getting older, and the doctor's just like, Well, this is a new thing with you now. <laughs> yep. It's just like. And that. he's like, What do I do about it? And the doctor's like, Nothing. You just live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really related to that. I remember, like, about 10 or 15 years ago, I went to the uh, the eye doctor. Optometrist is that just glasses or is that regular eye? I think
0: that's regular.
2: Uh, what's an ophthalmologist? Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, is that a, an eye
2: philosopher? Uh, we don't need to go there. <laughs> it. It's a philosopher I got of an, eyes. I got him in a word corner. We've there.
0: offended at least half of the eye doctors. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I, ophthalmologist, is like I'm not an optometrist. How dare you?
1: <laughs> Turn the car radio
2: yeah. off. Yeah. How are you listening to <laughs> the car radio? Uh, and I have uh, this thing called a floater. Uh, it, it's a little. It's a little thing that looks like a sperm. Uh, in your eye. Oh. Your engineer is nodding uh, her head. Oh. Do you have the, these? Uh, no, but you know of it. Uh, and I, 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 it's very rare that I notice it, but occasionally I'll just be focusing on something and there'll be, frankly, it looks like a little shadow of a sperm. It's just a little kind of squiggle that goes by.
0: And, and, and what
2: is it? It's, it's just an imperfection in, in your eyeball that uh, isn't an issue. Yeah. It doesn't affect your sight. It's kind of like... The equivalent of your phone having a scratch on it—it's uh, like a little, it's like a little smudge, but your eye moves, so it moves. It's like a smudge on yeah, your eye. Oh, it doesn't affect your vision, and it doesn't impair your vision. And it's harmless, but it's just a thing that you can get when you get older. And about 15 years ago, I went to the doctor, and I was really concerned. I started seeing this thing. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? Am <laughs> I going blind? invisible f-
1: sperm chasing me, doctor. <laughs> and the
2: guy's guy like, yeah, oh, that's it. It's a floater. And it's just the other thing. He what it float. was. That's
1: such a gross name for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's an invisible, it's a translucent yeah. turd in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and I really don't see it very often. So it just like sometimes the light is right, and I'm looking a certain way. I'll just, there'll be this, it's like a little shadow <laughs> that kind of floats by. <laughs> so that that to me was just indicative of something, of yeah. like getting older. A, yeah. pa-
1: a rite of passage that nobody wants to go through.
0: <laughs> do you remember um, first learning about death when you were a kid? Like, is there a specific memory where you're like, oh, shit, really? That's the deal?
2: I don't remember when I first became aware of it as a concept, but I do remember my first real... Encounter with it, which was when I was five years old. Uh, both my mother's parents died the same night.
1: Oh wow! Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, which is odd, uh, but yeah, they, that happens sometimes. Mm.
1: Was it? Uh, can I ask? I mean, was it in their sleep sort of? She,
2: thing? I'm not. She was ailing. She, as long as I had known them, which was five years, yep. uh, she had always been ailing and was always like lying on the couch. And mm-hmm. he was quite robust and jolly. I remember him quite well, actually. Uh, and then they died the same night. And uh, uh, I mean, the my understanding was I've never really talked in detail to this to my yeah. mom, but um, is this happens sometimes where one partner dies and the other one just sort of mm-hmm. floats away, stops, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that was it. Uh, but I here's the other thing I remember about that. I remember distinctly being at the funeral, two caskets open. Uh, they were both laid out, and my cousin, who was my age and was my favorite cousin, we were playing, sort of as people were coming in. Yeah. And I remember us playing tag, running around the chairs, <laughs> happy. Yeah. And so I and and I don't remember being traumatized by this. I have no memory of any dark emotion. I think, because I was so young, mm-hmm. it was just, oh, that's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Old people die. Yeah. That they both died together it didn't even seem that extraordinary at that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that seems was just more a convenient. Thing. And then at the funeral, I'm like, hey, my cousin's here, woo, let's play. <laughs> and I have this memory of running around, of chasing each other yeah. around like black folding chairs in some, you know, Jer- Jersey yeah. City uh, On uh, the carpet. Uh, funeral home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the first time, that's the first memory I have relating to that. Playing tag with my cousin around my, my two what dead grandparents. That. Yes.
1: <laughs> that's the name of our new play. Playing tag with my cousin around my two dead grandparents, everybody. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, my grandpa died when uh, I was eight, and I, d- I remember not understanding really that, uh, like I knew he was gone. It just it wasn't able to, it's knowledge that's not able to settle into you when you're that yeah. young because it doesn't have a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the proper level of fear is not instilled in you for, for your mortality. Cause at that age, you're still, you know, you, as far as you know, you are just going to live forever. So you don't really, you yeah. can't really contemplate mm-hmm. what loss means, which is, you know, why I hate when I hear about like some 12-year-old doing stand-up comedy. It's like, what do you, what do you have to talk about? You've experienced nothing. Like comedy is about tragedy and horrors and cranky bullshit and yeah. you just just go get a snack. Get your fruit roll up and go back to school. Wait till some horror strikes you. I'm a good guy.
0: Yeah, um fair enough. <laughs> um I d- I remember I had a grandparent that passed away, um, but it, it was similar. Just a, it was he was a my mom's dad and uh, or no, I'm sorry, my mom's stepdad, and he was another of uh, the the elderly people in your life that just was kind of always sick. So it it made sense yeah. when he passed away. So I didn't really have a, a huge emotional reaction to it. Um, but uh, then the the next grandparent I lost was my papa, and I will not be made fun of for using that term that's what he was called that Ta-pa. was his name you're
2: from the south and <laughs> you have the your odd words yeah
0: and <laughs> my uh, they, it really was striking to have grown up with somebody who seemed you know in generally good health and then to sort of watch them decline how and, old was he um, 70s I would say um, but he you know he had that year where he sat on the porch in his sweater in the summer in Alabama because he was always cold so you kind of like you were you were the porch eased into in him sweater yeah. in
1: Alabama in the summer
0: and just doing that elderly man thing where he just sort of looks off into the distance mm-hmm. and, and has no reaction to it um, but, but I never had one of those uh, like oh someone has suddenly died and you have to, to cope with that mm. Um I don't know. Have either of you had that in your life where, you know, someone who really shouldn't be dead has just died? Like, have you had a tragedy that and had to cope with it? Because that just still has not happened to me.
2: Oh, well, I've certainly known people like my age mm-hmm. and
1: stuff who, who have died. Yeah. But growing up, I mean, I had a couple of – There's a kid I played hockey with, uh, Ben. Ben me God. He died in a car accident, but Hmm. we weren't close or anything. He was just somebody I'd see at practice or class. And I think he was like 16. That was uh, that's one of those like, oh, shit, this this does just happen. That is Mm -hmm. one of those like, oh, uh, better start car paying that diem because (laughs) there's no rhyme or reason to why this happens or when. Although, yeah,
0: I just I feel like life is I've, I've never had death touch me that impactfully and i feel like life is saving it all up for me like one day everybody i know is going to die and i'll be the left the I, last person I'm right here i know I'm and right i'm really here. concerned we about have four you pets. <laughs> okay well it's been great well, i didn't plan saying that but you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes these things come just out <laughs> a lot of my mouth. so just be careful crossing the street sean that's what i'm that's saying nice. <laughs> God. Well, um i actually one other thing i want to ask you about just on this topic uh Again, I don't have kids, and and you have two children. Have mm-hmm. you had to have conversations about oh, death yeah. and mortality and uh, stuff with them, or has it not come up?
2: Uh, yeah, it hasn't really come up that much with them. Mm-hmm. They're 11 now, so, you know, once you're 11, you have a pretty good grasp of concepts mm-hmm. and stuff that's out there. Yeah. They're people. They're kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you still want to, you know, protect them from certain just— They don't
1: need to know— Everything. Ideas and
2: information, yeah, but you yeah. know what they pretty much know everything at yeah. yeah. that age,
1: or they should, <laughs>
2: yeah uh you know, even if they're just processing it in their own way,
1: yeah, the con- <clears throat> the concept parses it's just the the experience hasn't filled in yeah. the or they
2: concept. have they have an inkling about most
1: things, yeah. even if they don't
2: fully understand them. uh yeah, I don't think I've gotten that into uh death, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not into death. And yeah, they've been, uh, you know, lucky enough that they haven't really experienced any major
1: uh, family yeah. debts or friend mm-hmm. deaths. Uh, so far, are they? Uh, are the kids like? Do you have like a future goth kid in your coming? Like, <laughs> well, they're
2: both uh, bright and arty, uh, so they they have the makings of goth kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It, will that still be a thing? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It'll be. I. It'll be some like steampunk uh, redux. Is what I think is going to be. Yeah. the They'll be into like astrolabes.
0: Do you want them to be artists? <laughs> Leather jackets.
2: Uh, I want, well, I, it's the old thing. I want them to do whatever makes them happy. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're both, uh, yeah, they're both uh, bright weirdos. like <laughs>
1: you know that's great. Yeah. I, that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. like, that's such a great way to put, like put it about your kids like they're bright weirdos. Well, I love that.
0: Yeah. I have a uh, nieces in Alabama and so I see them, you know, maybe once twice a year if I'm lucky. And so uh, the benefit of that is they're always very different every time I see them and I I've noticed uh, uh, that when my niece um Maddie, she was called Samantha for the first uh I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years of her life and then decided she wanted to revert to her middle name and change her name when she changed school, so now she's Maddie. And uh, the last time I went home, I was really excited to see that she's becoming a little bit of a weirdo. Like, she's she's yeah. super into science and wolves and, yeah. and gaming. There's <laughs> and- actually a thing that
2: my, <laughs> wolves, my daughter has expressed recently is, now they've read, like, all the Harry Potter books. They're just reading more sort of... Uh, uh, books and literature that have sort of epic qualities yeah Mm -hmm. and so my daughter has noted that a lot of the books she enjoys now have characters who die
0: really
1: because
2: that's the thing that happens in 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 you know loss has to be multiple books and yeah yeah yeah, it's just part of young adult novels you're getting and so and she has expressed an interest in sort of darker material mm-hmm. and that's just interesting to her just uh, mm. uh in terms of sort of texture and and scope mm-hmm. of a story so she's a yeah and uh and she's mentioned it more than once like uh, there's there's a book uh, <laughs> there's a book i haven't read this series but it's called the warriors and it's about a a, a uh, uh clans of feral cats <laughs> <laughs> you're familiar with this and mm-hmm. um and there's and it sounds like Game of Thrones Junior with cats. That's 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 my impression of it. And my daughter will say, "Yeah, well, a
1: lot of them die."
2: That's the way she describes it. Yeah, you know. that's her pitch. That's her pitch. A lot of them die. It's a good die, selling dad. point. Yeah, yeah.
1: What was I'm was, I'm trying to look something up because I couldn't remember the name of it. I was I was listening. It was uh, there's a what is that series of three books? It's a. Uh, Uh, where basically they kill the attempt these... They made it Lyra, that little movie, The Golden Compass. Oh, yeah,
0: The Golden Compass. The Golden Compass.
1: Compass. There's three books that are ostensibly young adult books, but they're, like, it's pretty heady stuff, and there's a lot of loss. And my
2: daughter... My son also enjoys the warrior books, but my daughter is sort of more into uh, literature right now. Yeah. And she's also just uh, gotten into The Hunger Games, Oh. Uh, which are ostensibly young adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's 11, so it's interesting because we haven't sat down and talked about death, but we've talked about these books which where that's a new color. So she's
0: processing it that way. the story, yeah. she yeah, is, yeah. and I think it's great. Yeah.
2: And then it makes sense that her age... Yeah, well, it'd be... It'd be uh, on the, you know, just pre-adolescent,
0: taking in
2: yeah. and mm-hmm. and... And contemplating death as an idea through literature and movies and storytelling.
0: Well, that's what yeah, I got obsessed with Watership Down uh, as a kid because I saw it too early, right. and I've talked about that yeah. before. But I it was one of the movies I had on a VHS tape along with Kid Co and Lone Wolf McQuade for some reason, <laughs> and uh, just and the, apple like, <laughs> yeah. and the Apple Dumpling, the Apple Dumpling Gang
1: making stuff. Um,
0: up. No, Lone Wolf McQuade's a real Wolf movie. McQuaid the sounds- dog dies in Lone Wolf McQuade. It's very sad. Um, but, uh, but I would watch Watership Down over and over again and be horrified, but not entirely sure why I needed to see it. And I think that is that part of your brain trying to, to process what this life is. And
1: that's all. Well, uh, on that that note, no, it wasn't exactly. It was like, well, (laughs) this has been a journey. I mean, we've gone through some stuff. We, we have to wrap stuff up right now, but, uh, uh, there are a couple things we just wanted to do, James. We have. Uh, uh, we're, Is this
0: going to be a new feature on the show? I'm very excited about it.
1: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we, we'd like to give a list of uh, fake stand up tour dates for all our guests to read. Yes. Uh, so if you could uh, tell everybody where you'll be in the <laughs> upcoming months.
2: Yes, yes. Well, as you know, I'll be at the Laugh Supper in Skokie, Illinois on June 3rd. And then I'm heading to uh, Hillary Clinton's in the woods. Hilarity. Hilarity. Oh, uh, oh, Hilarity Clinton's. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Ah, uh, it's a play on words.
0: <laughs> it's
2: a play on George Clinton.
0: Uh,
2: and then I'm opening for Steve Buscemi, or Buscemi, well, I'm never sure how you say his name. At the Smile High Club, it has an airline theme, uh, in Denver, Colorado, on June 6th or October 2018. <laughs> it's a long gig. I'll be living in Denver, so if anyone wants to put me up or knows any good bars, let yeah. me know. Or brothels, uh, and uh, there are not a lot of comps. So RSVP now.
1: Awesome. That's a that uh, is a full slate, James. I'm glad that uh, yeah. you're going to
2: be working so. And well. I'll also be at the Chuckle Slut in New Orleans. Oh great. Uh, which, Awesome. Which, which is a brothel we'll, uh, in the red light district we, that has the comedy. The red light district that has there. comedy.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll add that to your calendar. <laughs> Guys, check out James's calendar here at <laughs> Cave Comedy Radio. This yeah. Is. Check my Tumblr for <laughs> more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we should have said we didn't say it at the beginning. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter Ooh. at uh, it's just at, James at James James yeah. So if you can figure out how Correct. to spell it,
1: yeah, and you can you, find you generally have everything you're working on at some point gets uh, like your podcasts, like you you yeah. sh- give shout outs there. So if you're looking you've, for you've, any of that, you've
2: mentioned everything.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> There's other We're, stuff
0: coming up, but
2: yeah. Well, you, we'll
1: fine. Uh, all right, uh, so it's time for our secular podcast, everybody.
0: Well, it's, or it's called a secular prayer. This whole po- prayer. Thing was a I'm sorry, secular secular I said podcast,
2: podcast like eight times. Well, a podcast <laughs> is a kind of prayer yeah. it is. when you think about it.
1: Man, uh, you blew my mind.
0: <laughs> and uh, if you are listening at home, feel free to uh, say it along with us.
1: Uh, you're going first, right? I Yep. Now, way, how does
2: this work? Do I say it with you, or I just have
0: a? You we're in a round robin, so I've underlined the lines. Oh, that you got said. it!
2: Thank you. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> we, we didn't. <laughs> this I is it. live on air.
0: Our fellow humans, who art here and now.
2: Hallowed be thy consciousness. Thy kingdom floats
0: in a universe so vast, it's like totally bananas, man.
1: Therefore, be kind to each other, and don't eat so much bread.
0: Ask forgiveness of your trespasses.
1: And forgive those who trespass against you.
2: Because all of us can be really fucking annoying.
0: For thou art the mind inside thine stupid human suit.
1: The only one of its kind. We are thus also.
0: And that must simply be enough.
1: Amen. Amen. All right. This has been Stupid Human Suits. James Urbaniak, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. guys. It's great to have you here, buddy. And Um, uh,
0: thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Megan, Megan, our our producer. producer. And... uh, Yeah, check out our previous episodes. Listen to this one again. Check
2: your eyes for floaters. (laughs) They don't do nothing, but it's nice to know they're there.
0: And on that
1: note, go float. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.